Look at that. Made that myself. I know, yeah, yeah. I'm wasted, wasted, aren't I? Yeah. Uh, just, well, I, you tell me. I, I agonise over this. The, the how to spell practicing. Do you know there's two ways you can spell it? Yeah, verb and a noun. I don't even know what that means. But I, somebody just said to me, if if you can replace, no, I seriously don't. Um, but if you can replace an advising, then you with then use the, the s. And but if you would never say advising. So, um, and using ad- advice and advise, I, I put that into practice, practise and practice. <laughs> anyway, it's an English lesson. I didn't mean to go there, sorry. I don't really understand English. I just speak it. Uh, yes. Okay, so we're, we're in, we started this series, Practicing Trinity, um, which is looking at the unique... Christian thing, which is the belief that we believe in one God who is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each person is fully God, but God is one in three persons, and it's a mystery. And I've said from the beginning, I'm not going to start explaining that mystery, okay? Um, you can look into it, and you can read the theology if you want and, and some of it's help. well it's all helpful uh, no doubt you will have questions and you'll be thinking this, how does this work and how does that work and you've got analogies of it's like water it's ice and it's water and liquid and it's steam but then that doesn't quite work because none of those things will exist at the same time and God is always three persons always God at the same time so there's, anyway there's lots of, I'm not going to get into that I said I wouldn't get into that and I'm already getting into that I'm not going to get into that but I want us to try and be more practical with it, try and be more uh, just how does Trinity impact our lives and how does it impact who we are as believers in, in Christ, in one God, three persons. And I started off two weeks ago, we looked at in the beginning was the relationship. In the beginning, before creation, God was us, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And so God has always been Father. We looked at that last week. God has always had a relationship with his son. And before he was creator or ruler of the universe, he was father. Which is a profound thing because it means he does not father as a ruler. And so many fathers in this world do that. They're like dictators in in a mini world, which is their home. And I confess I'm like that sometimes. But he rules his creation as a loving father because primarily God is father and always has been and we looked at this uh, verse in John 17 last week which says the father uh, sorry the the father has loved uh, the son from before creation and we also looked last week at how at Jesus baptism the father affirms his love to the son and he says this is my son whom I Love and whom well pleased, yes. And that we, as we grow in our faith, we realise more and more that that love that God has for the Son, the Father has for the Son, He also has for us. Um, and I thought I had in mind to do this last week, so we'll do this now. I want us to put this into practice. I want us to affirm one another in God's love, okay? So I want you to turn to somebody, you may need to move around, and I want to, you to tell them you are loved by the Father, you are well pleasing to the Father. Can, you, can we just do that? Let's just take...
two minutes to go and find somebody and speak it. Isabel, you are loved by the world. You Okay. I'd, I'd encourage you um, to get used to being like God in that sense of bringing those affirmations. Because too often in this world, we get told things like, you're no good, you're useless, you've failed, you're a disappointment, don't we? You know, uh, There are so many things that even if they're not said directly, they're said indirectly. You know? um, and I think it's so good to know that Father God says, I love you and you are pleasing. It's not rocket science, but for some reason it is very hard to grasp in the world we live in. So, and, and we need to encourage one another in it because it's easy to forget. Because you'll walk out the door, something will happen, and you'll probably say it to yourself, oh, you idiot. You know, you know, they go on, these things go on in your head, don't they? And God says, I love you. And you are well pleasing to me. That's Father God's voice to you. So we're going to look a little bit further at the relationship between the Father and the Son today. Um, <coughs> last week, as I say, we, we looked at that, how God expresses his love verbally to the Son. Um, today, I'm, we're going to just focus on how God ex- the Father expresses. So God the Father expresses his love through his generosity, through his giving. God is three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God, within that uh, community, if you like, that mini-community, is a God who shares and a God who gives. He's a fountain of goodness. And it helps us understand that God is not inward-facing, because in the three persons, God is outward-facing. He's a God who gives out. He's a giving Father, not a taking God. And so I want you to just think about this, and you don't have to answer me, but you to think in your mind, what is your view of God? Is God someone who needs to be kept happy? Is he someone where you think, I've got to follow the rules, otherwise God won't be happy? Or um, don't mess things up, otherwise God will be unhappy with me. Or um, do, God says, do what I say, or else I'm not going to be happy. Now, if some of that thinking is in your mind, then you've possibly got the wrong idea about God. You're possibly thinking of a one-person God who is a ruler, and he needs you to be right before he's a happy person or a happy God. Now, does anyone here have that view? And You don't have to put your hand up. Just a personal confession. Do you have that view of God, or do you sometimes have that view of God? Or maybe you have this idea that God is a, a needy attention seeker. You know, he needs our worship. He needs my offering. He needs my prayer. If I don't pray, he won't be happy. So he needs my attention. And if you've got that idea, you've probably got, again, the idea of a one-person lonely God who, who needs what we can give him. 
And I would ask, you know, does anyone here have that view of God? Again, keep it to yourself if you want to. It's quite likely that most of us, in theory, know that those things aren't true. But in practice, it's quite possible that we believe some of those things. And so we have these feelings inside of us. I'm not good enough. Anyone feel that, yeah? Or I haven't done enough. Or I don't match up to. Or I can't do. And when we feel like that, we've slipped into a world of a one-person God who needs us to be something. (coughs) He needs me to be better. He needs me to do more. And that is not the God of Christianity because it is not the Trinity. We have a God who is generous. His love is... He gives away his love. He gives life. He gives gifts. Before we existed, God the Father has always been generous in love towards the Son and he is generous towards us and he doesn't need us. He doesn't need our offerings. He doesn't need us to be good for him to love us. As we said last week, he generously, continuously pours out his love on us regardless. And I was thinking about this um, and how God expresses his love as father and his generosity. My dad is a good example of this. My dad has always been generous. My, this is my earthly dad now. I'm not talking spiritually. I'm just talking about Reginald Fox, Reginald Cecil Fox, who lives in Ashford. Who um, He's always been generous. Whether he has had a, a lot or a little, he's always been someone who has given and shared what he has with me and his family. Um, and in a sense, there's almost that feeling with my dad that everything that he owns, I own. It's just kind of always been... Um, you, you struggle... I struggle... I don't think I've ever done this, to buy him dinner, just simply because he'll always pay. He'll always pay. Um, and, I, for example, um, I've never bought a car of my own. He's always provided a car for me. It's one of his things. He's like, And I've never asked for a car... Um, but he's always uh, bought a car for me or provided a car for me. Now, not all earthly fathers are like that, but I wanted to honour my dad here in front of you. Um, I need to tell him this because he's obviously not here, but I need to hold me to account. I want this week, you can help remind me to say this to him, but I need to tell my dad that he's a good example of, of someone who provides. Of a, he's a good example of our God who is generous. And if I'm honest, I've struggled to accept it many times. Particularly when I was just leaving home, just left university, and Dad uh, offered to buy me a brand new car, like a brand new Skoda Fabio TDI 1.9. It was like, this is way beyond what I need. And do you know what part of me was thinking, you know, I want to buy my own car. I don't want Dad's generosity. I want to stand on my own two feet. I want to, and even if it meant me driving a banger, you know, like a 500-pound falling apart piece of rust. Part of me said, was wanting to say, no, I, I want to be independent. I want to do this myself. And I remember having this discussion with a good friend of mine, some of you met her, called Anne, who's like a second mum to me. And, and I was kind of wrestling with this, like, I just want to be independent. I want to live my own. And she said to me, look, if I had the money and I could buy my two sons, she's got two, two sons, similar age to me, I would buy them a car. Just take it. It's just like, you know, just almost slap me around the face. Just take it, you know. Receive your father's love. Receive your father's generosity. And although it sounds strange, it was a struggle 
But I did. And I've learned over the years to accept Dad's generosity. When sometimes, it's strange, isn't it, that we want to be independent. We want to be, I can do this. Um, now, that's just an example of my dad. Um, other people will show their love in other ways. But I just want to use that as a, an, an example that sometimes it's difficult for us to receive the Father's love. And our Father God in heaven is even, even more generous than any father here on, on the earth. So let's look at the generosity of the Father to the Son in the Trinity. Keith, if you wouldn't mind um, pressing. I've got a lot of verses, so I'm, I'm just going to, rather than you turn to all these things, because we're just going to look at them. Let's, so we've already looked at the first one, but um, this in Matthew chapter 3. When Jesus was baptised, it says, As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So if you notice there, God is a giving God there. Right from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he gives his spirit. Like the, heaven is, the heavens are opened and everything of God is given to Jesus through the spirit. His spirit is given to him. And an anointing and empowering is the fullness of the life of the Father is given to the Son. He doesn't hold back. And then in Psalm 2... There's this great promise where God is saying, this is God speaking, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He has said to me, you are my son today, I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Father God, in relation to the son, is not holding anything back. He's not afraid of giving it all away. Ask me of anything. To the ends of the earth... And it is yours, son. God is a generous father. In Daniel, a, this is a, one of... If you've read the book of Daniel, it's a bit wacky. We, we listened to Alice in Wonderland in the car yesterday, and it's, it's a wacky book. You know, uh, Wendy was with us, and Wendy said, I think when he wrote this, he was on something. <laughs> um, you can read the book of Daniel, and you can almost say the same thing, but i tell you what Daniel was on. He was on the Holy Spirit, and sometimes that does sound about a bit wacky but anyway there's this vision and it says in my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence he was given authority glory and sovereign power all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed the ancient of days is the father the Son of Man, which is, which is Jesus' favourite title for himself, is the Son. And here, this Father gives to the Son all authority, glory, sovereign power, nations and peoples, dominion. The Father is generously giving this away, giving it away to the Son. And then finally, in Hebrews chapter 2, it says, In these last days he has spoken to us by the Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him also he made the universe. I mean, there's two amazing things there. The Son is the heir of all things. It says that the Son made all things. God allowed the Son to make all things. And the, the, the Father has given everything to the Son. Everything. Like, I mean, this is not just everything in your cupboard at home or everything in your bank, your bank account. This is everything that God has made. As the Father God says to the Son, it's all yours. You inherit the lot. Spirit, power, possessions, authority, kingdom, all things. The Father does not 
hoard or keep anything to himself. He just gives it, generously gives it to the Son. And so if you look at that last verse there, not only does everything begin from the Son, but everything comes back to the Son. And so, you know, there's that verse that says he's the Alpha and the Omega. In fact, Keith spoke of it this morning. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And this is where it comes from, that everything was given to the Son to be made through the Son in the beginning, and he is the inheritor of all things at the end. He is the beginning and the end of all things. This is a generous, loving Father. He's not seeking attention. He's not needing or demanding stuff. This is not the way God is. He's the one that is pouring it out. He's giving it away, generously giving from father to son, not holding anything back. Now, um, we're going to turn to a well-known story. If you, we are going to turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Famous story of the prodigal son. If you're using these church Bibles here, it's um, on page 1048. Oh no, 1049, sorry. I'm going to read you this. And it's, it's a story where G- that Jesus tells that describes the generosity of the Father. And says this, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field, and when he heard, came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come back, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because of him, and he is back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. 
Now, this is a story of Jesus, the Son. And I can't help thinking that Jesus is telling this story because it's his experience, in many ways, of how generous his Father is. If you look at how generous the Father is in this story, in verse 12, he says, even when the Son wished his Father dead, effectively, he was generous. He got all of his possessions, and he divided his property, and he, he divided it up between the sons. Everything that they, he had, he gave to his sons. And in verse 17, when this son had gone off and he comes to his senses, he, he realises that his dad's a generous dad because he says, even the servants in my father's house have food to spare. Not they have enough, but they have food to spare. And then when he returns, the father sees him coming a long way off and he's filled with compassion. He runs to greet him and he clothes him. He gives him a robe, the best robe. He puts a ring on his finger. He puts sandal on his feet. He kills a fattened calf. Again, he's a generous, generous father who's giving out. And then the older brother, and we can understand it to a certain point, gets a bit sort of uppity. Hang on a second, how come this is all happening? And the father says to him, everything I have, in verse 31 he says, everything I have is yours. This is the generous love that the Father has towards the Son. The Son, Jesus, knows this generosity and he describes it through this story to us. And even, even though the, the, Jesus, the Son, is not rebellious, he speaks to us as rebellious sons, if you like, and says, you know, even if you were to go as far away as possible, even if you were to waste everything that the Father has, he will continue to pour out his generosity on you. Everything he has is yours. So how does that affect us? That affects us because, bizarrely, it seems to me, if I'm honest, that generosity of the Father to the Son, this giving away of everything, comes, cascades from the Father to the Son down to us. And Keith, if you wouldn't mind pressing the, um, the next one, because there's more verses there. I'm just going to, maybe I'll read one of these verses. Has it worked? Can you press it again? Sorry, that's not worked. Or is there not another slide? <laughs> okay, let's not worry. I'll read it. I'll read it. I'll read it. It's um, from Galatians chapter 4. And it says this. Uh, there, we there we go. Oh, thank you. But when the, the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are a child, God has made you also an heir. And this verse in Romans says a very similar thing. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought you about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry Abba Father the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children now if we are children then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory this is when you start to understand the trinity and then you start to understand what the New Testament says about us the generosity of the Father to the Son and the Trinity is then brought to us. Through Jesus, we are children of God. 
And that sounds nice, isn't it? You know, it's a nice little title for everybody in this world. We're all children of God. Yeah, nice. But then when we stop and look at ourselves, sometimes we really more likely consider ourselves as maybe the younger siblings who have been a bit forgotten, you know. If any of here are younger brothers and sisters, maybe we feel like that in God's eyes. Maybe like the runts of the litter. But if you read that last bit of Romans, it says we are co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs with Christ. That means equal share with Jesus in the generosity of the Father. We've been given firstborn status of the children of God. We can call him Abba, Father. He has poured his spirit out on us. What did he do with Jesus when he came out of the water? He poured out his spirit. He generously gave. The generosity of God the Father comes down to us through Jesus. And Jesus speaks of this. I'm going to, again, in Luke chapter 11, I haven't put this up there, but you know this, it says this, which of you fathers, if your son asks for fish, gives him a snake? Yeah? Exactly. Good face, Isabel. That's exactly right. Which of you gives a snake if, you're, if, you're ask, if you ask for fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Yeah? If my children come to me and say, Dad, can I have a sandwich? I don't give them sort of mud on a plate. <laughs> yeah? It's kind of what he's saying. You know, I, I know how to give... Hopefully I know how to give good gifts to my children. Our Father in Heaven who is generous knows how to do it even more. And if we ask Him for the Holy Spirit, guess what He's going to give us? Hello. The Holy Spirit, yes, thank you, yeah? The Father knows how to give good gifts. He'll generously give us His Spirit. He won't hold back. This is the generosity of our Father God in the Trinity. A father who continually gives, has continually give. And I was thinking, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, I was saying this to Keith actually earlier in the week, just as I've been thinking about this, there's a, a line in the, in, the, in the Lord's Prayer where Jesus teaches us to pray, give us our day, this day our daily bread. And there's a call there to continue to ask God on a daily, on a daily basis, God, Father God, I need from you. I need, I need bread daily. Now, I don't know about you, but bread sounds a bit dry. Sounds a bit sort of meagre. Bit bare essentials, a bit like the crusts. Not the most exciting meal necessarily. But I think once we stop and realise how generous our Father is, when we ask for daily bread, it maybe should change our expectation. That our Heavenly Father is so much more generous than any earthly father and so much more wealthy. And his grace towards us is far greater than we can imagine. He is a good and loving, generous father. His generosity exceeds anything that we would know on earth. And through our Father we can know the, the gift of the Spirit. And so let us ask daily from God, give us this day our daily bread and know that that is going to be more generous and more than we need than we can imagine. And you might find that a bit difficult, 
to receive, just as I did with my dad and the cars and stuff. You might think, oh, no, no, I'm not, I don't, just, just give me just a little bit, God. But then you're kind of, you're belittling God's generous, generosity in who he really is. We're called to be his children, his co-heirs. So receive his generosity, receive his love and the generosity of his love. Let it sink in. And so I want us to just spend a moment in prayer. I want you to dare to pray some bold prayers, knowing that God is a generous God. A day to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. If there are people that need healing, if there are people that need peace, people that need wisdom or security or provision, let's ask God. He is a good, good, generous Father. A generous Father who is rather wealthy as well. I'm sure all of us, you know, when we grow up thinking, wouldn't it be good if Dad just had a little bit more money, you know? But our, our father, one of Erica, remember Erica's favourite verses was, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's how wealthy our father is. And so as we come to him, let him know, let us know that generosity. Paul says, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So I want us to spend a moment in quiet prayer and if there are needs, bring those petitions before God and know his generosity. And if you think, I can't think of anything, pray for this church. Pray for this church. We need to know the generosity, whether it's um, the food bank and the things that Reg is doing, we need to know God's provision and generosity so that we may be generous uh, as a church it, for us as a church as the church finances we need God's generosity for the things that we give out we need God's provision so that we can give out so if you're stuck for praying for yourself you can pray for this church or just give me some guides but in, in all things I would say I'm going to pray for us all that we would receive more of the Holy Spirit because when we ask of him of the Holy Spirit he gives, he's generous so let's just take a moment in quiet prayer And then I'll wrap it up and and just pray for us all. So let's take a couple of minutes to pray in our hearts and bring our petitions before God, knowing his Father is a generous Father. Father God, we thank you that as we look to you, we see your generosity to the Son. Eternally you've been generous. Eternally you've been giving. Eternally you've been outward and offering. You don't look to us to provide for you, but you are a Father who provides for us through the Son. Eternally you've always been that way and you are. Through Jesus, there's this amazing thing where you've turned that to us. Lord, help us to, to receive your love, to receive that generous love. Forgive us where we have the wrong idea about you, thinking that we have to be better or right or 
praying more or living well, better, just being righteous people. Or forgive us for thinking that your love is dependent on us. But Lord, as we turn to you through Jesus, let us realise that your love for us is greater and more powerful and more consistent than we can imagine. Let us know your generous love to us. As we brought our petitions before you, we pray now, let us receive from you. Give us a heart to receive from you. I pray now for more of your Holy Spirit and each one of us here before you now. Come and bring your Spirit on us. Come bring your Spirit in our lives. We ask for your Spirit. More life. More power. More of you in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray this week, let us live in the generosity of God. Where there are needs each day, let us call on you that we would know the provision of your daily bread for us in whatever area of our lives we need it. Thank you, Lord. Amen.